Welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearlie, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Fern Ho, co-founder and CEO of The Leaf Protein Co., an Australia-based firm which is using protein from leaves to develop what the company is calling an entire new category of plant-based proteins. We'll talk more about that shortly, but first of all, hello Fern, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Pearlie, thank you so much for having me, it's a pleasure to be here. It's really great to have you here today and I think the first thing I'd like to start off with is to get more background from you on this leaf protein that is the core of what you work with just for the benefit of any listeners who might not be familiar with it you know and to prevent any misunderstanding you know that this is using the whole leaf itself as food or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so to be very precise what we're looking at specifically is the Rubisco protein mm-hmm. enzyme and this protein enzyme is found um, in any leaf that goes through the photosynthesis process because it's actually used in that Calvinic cycle as part of photosynthesis. Mm. So um, that's why is, as you can think of it logically, is the most abundant uh, source of protein um, on earth because basically every plant out there um, will have this Rubisco protein enzyme in it. Um, And that is what we are extracting. Uh, Technically speaking, we could extract from the literally hundreds of thousands or even millions of plant species. Mm. Um, But naturally, as a food source, we're focused on the edible plants, of which actually there's hundreds of thousands that have been cultivated um, as crops for human consumption. Um, When we spoke recently, you also mentioned that a little bit, you know, that you are only looking at certain types of leaves right now, but it is technically possible to use any leaf on earth that, you know, has rubisco. So perhaps perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about this, you know, the the process of what what you've done to choose the particular leaves you are working with right now. So a big part of our mission is to reintroduce biodiversity into Mm -hmm. our food system and certainly actually even into our plant-based food system because even though there's Mm -hmm. a lot of interest and increasing demand um, for plant-based eating, uh, a lot of the manufactured foods out there still rely predominantly on only a really small handful of plant protein. Um, Really, it's the soy, your wheat um, Mm -hmm. and and pulses um, that we're talking about. So what we're looking to do actually is to see if there is a good way that we can tap into the existing food system supply chain um, to bring back that biodiversity. And one of the sources that we have been doing a lot of research on is using waste leafy material from out of the horticultural Mm. space. So in vegetable production, if you think of vegetables like broccoli or even cauliflower, um, when we buy it from the supermarkets, mostly you just have the florets that you're buying. Um, yeah. But if you actually look at it out in the field, there's huge amounts um, of leafy material that comes mm. with that broccoli plant that either today gets sown back into the ground, but often there's actually tons of it um, that gets pulled apart in the packing sheds. So once the vegetable has been harvested and even before it goes to the supermarket, once it's clean, there's still actually more leaves that are being stripped off. We're also looking at regenerative plants as well. Um, So a big part of our food system, obviously, is to provide us with nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you speak to any nutritionist or people in that area, what they will tell you is the greater the uh, variety of food and also the greater the biodiversity, 
um, of the way your your food is grown, the higher the amount of nutrition. So monocrops, unfortunately, um, don't always equate with better nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why we're also now looking at regenerative um, plants that can help with um, increasing sort of the fertility and better agriculture, um, but also using some of those crops as um, leafy materials. And an example of that is saltbush, which was one Mm. of the early plants we looked at. Um, It's a native plant in Australia known to help with regenerating um, degraded farmland, particularly in Australia where salination of the soil is a real Mm. issue. Which are the food and beverage categories that you think are the most applicable to use leaf protein in? Or is this, you know, any category? It's such a versatile protein. Um, Mm -hmm. We like to call it our five-in-one ingredient. (laughs) Um, because from a, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, And and why the five? Well, the first one is it's a very um, high quality protein as a plant protein Mm -hmm. because it contains the complete amino acid profile, which Mm -hmm. is quite unusual for a plant protein. Um, A lot of them are missing um, amino acids like methionine and Mm -hmm. lysine, um, whereas Rubisco actually has it all. So it's a complete protein in itself. And also because it's a protein enzyme, um, it has very high digestibility. Um, Mm. So actually quite comparable to your animal proteins. Um, And again, we know with other plant proteins, um, often they're not as digestible as well. Mm -hmm. So from a protein quality perspective, um, it has great potential to replace the other plant proteins that are in the market today. The other um, four of that five-in-one ingredient is to do with the functionality. So because Mm. it's a protein enzyme, it also displays these um, characteristics, which is foaming, gelation, uh, Mm. and emulsification. And it also has very good solubility in alkali solution. And we know that a lot of the food companies are trying to clean up their labels because people are more and more interested um, in the ingredients that go into their foods. And so this is where leaf protein is not just a protein ingredient, but actually can offer this clean label sort of food additive capability as a natural plant protein. In terms of the specific food categories, depending on its usage, it really is across the board. Great applications for things like your plant-based meats, um, but then also with the emulsifications that I've mentioned before, great also for plant-based dairy. Actually, in the better-for-you food categories, um, it's got you know, wonderful applications as well. We're wanting actually more and more to recognize leaf protein in its most natural form. And there are a lot of nutritional benefits to not stripping everything away to the pure white protein, but actually also offering it as a green protein, as a health food. There are, as you mentioned, you know, a number of big food firms waiting to try out what you guys are have to offer, you know, as products. And then you have a number of products in the pipeline. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about the products you are working on. I would say that there are sort of two broad categories. Mm-hmm. Um, the one where there's a lot of interest and excitement is around that pure white neutral Mm. colour, neutral tasting um, rubisco. And so we have been able to achieve a very high purity, over 90% isolate um, Mm. of a rubisco, pure rubisco isolate. Um, And that does have very um, good functionality um, in terms of all those binding and multiplication, gelation capabilities that I mentioned. 
Um, and because of that, it has brought applications and many of the big food companies, household names that we've been speaking to, they're quite mm-hmm. interested in that because it means it's easy to, you know, formulate in a variety of different end products. Increasing number of consumers that are interested in alternative, nutritious, um, and that is our green um, or our whole protein um, concentrate. There's still a light shade of green to it, but what Mm -hmm. that means is it also contains additional nutritional benefits. What are some of the main trends, you know, market drivers that you believe are helping to drive the demand for your products in the market right now? A lot of it comes down to health and sustainability. With COVID, it's changed a lot of things around the world. And we did see um, a lot of, I guess, increased interest in consumers about health and diet. Interestingly enough, we also saw an increase in consumption with um, snack foods during Mm. that period. But what we are also seeing is that a lot of these food companies um, that do produce those snack foods, they have dedicated better for you um, teams that are actually, even though, you know, they're not going to stop producing snack foods, they're, they're wanting to be able to offer something that has maybe less sugar, less salt, um, mm. and help to contribute in some small way to um, bettering people's diet. On that note, what are your plans for the Leaf Protein Co. moving forward? You know, where are you looking to go from here? This year, we have done a lot of um, initial sort of larger scale uh, pilot runs. Um, and next year, we're very much looking to set up our own pilot facilities um, so that we can continue to rapidly iterate on what we've um, been doing already this year and start to produce larger and larger quantities um, and to keep up really with the interest and demand. I would now like to find out a bit more about your own entrepreneurial journey so far. So I do understand your background has mostly been in marketing previously. So you know, how did you find yourself here as a food entrepreneur? I would never have envisaged myself in this position <laughs> if you asked me this 20 years ago. Mm. Although um, I do say it is kind of ironic that my dad did name me Fern. Um, <laughs> so maybe, you know, he predicted that this was the path I was going to take. You know, my background was in product management and product marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did an engineering degree at uni, so so quite technical. But I suppose I'd always been more drawn to the commercial side of the business. Mm-hmm. When I um, came across Leaf Protein um, being recognized scientifically as the most abundant source of protein on earth, I just found that really fascinating um, because it aligned a lot with my own personal journey of food intolerances with gluten and dairy intolerances. So I had had to be quite conscious and aware of what ingredients. I was the sort of person that was always looking at the back of packets and seeing what was in there. What, what does this E number mean? And it kind of just matched the problem that I was seeing, which wasn't just me, but I knew that there was so many other people around the world that had the same problem. I wanted to highlight as well with this um, interest, a growing interest, particularly in the younger generations of eating more sustainably and becoming more plant-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'll be open. I am still a meat eater, but I'm very mm-hmm. conscious sustainability in our foods and I know a lot of the new plant-based meat categories and plant-based dairies have sort of stemmed out of being more sustainable um, which is great but then for someone like me where I've tried to go to eat those foods when I turned to the back of the ingredient list I was seeing a lot of the ingredients that I couldn't eat so Mm. again 
predominantly there was a lot of wheat in there, um, soy. So, you know, again, it's sort of like, oh, you kind of have to choose one or the other. You choose the environment, you choose your health, which was, Mm -hmm. yeah, a real struggle. What has been the biggest challenge you have found, you know, making that sort of switch from engineering, from marketing, you know, into the food industry? I would say initially probably my personal sort of business network. I didn't have that um, network that I'd built up, you know, over my 20 years in the tech industry. So our journey with the lead protein going through uh, a number of accelerators and then sort of meeting some key stakeholders has allowed us um, to fairly quickly build up that network um, in the industry. So, you know, it would have been nice to be able to have that from day one, but that has Mm -hmm. been something um, that we've had to like build up as quickly as we possibly can. I was trained as an engineer. Problem solving is something that I've sort of been trained to do irrespective of Mm -hmm. what the industry is. It's sort of same, same, just different names or different words at the end of the day. What do you feel, you know, has been the biggest difference between your previous career path and what you're doing now? Because I came from a tech background, Mm -hmm. it may appear that one of the biggest differences is the pace of technology. In the tech space, um, certainly in the consumer world, the pace of technology moves very quickly. And we possibly haven't seen that as much in the food space up until more recently i mean you know these days where we're talking about cellular agriculture and things like that um but i guess where there's the real opportunity is in bringing that technology into food not so much in a artificially managed way but actually um sort of looking at nature and and science and biology and seeing how there are aspects of it, like the abundance of leaf protein, and how do we apply that to today's problems, as opposed to simply, um, you know, applying technology for increased efficiency and increased productivity, which is always important, um, but actually looking very deeply um, at, at um, sort of life sciences. You know, I'm, I'm not against things like GMO, um, mm-hmm. because I do think that they absolutely have their, their place um mm-hmm. in you know what we do it's this balance of how far do we take some of that type of technology versus looking at also what mother nature can provide i wanted to ask if you had any advice for those who are looking to you know make um big changes you know in their careers or looking to go into food entrepreneurship like you have i remembered listening to your podcast when we first mm. started this journey about two years ago um, and I think you were speaking to um, David Booker from Change Foods because oh. uh, he came from an engineering background. as well. I think it was mm-hmm. like aerospace engineering or something like that. Yes, yes. For me, when I first started, having come from like a telco software space, at the time it sort of seemed at odds to want to pursue a food startup, um, mm. which wasn't even that long ago, to be honest. Um, and the question was, well, what do you know about food really? Um, and the truth of the matter was nothing, but I think if you have a personal conviction and feel passionately enough about something, um, you'll naturally, you know, learn and want to know about what it is um, in that space. I guess the advice is even if you haven't come from a, a food space or an agri-food space, mm-hmm. if you see that there is a 
problem or a gap and you know that there could be a better way to do something and solution, then don't let anyone else tell you to, you know, park the dream. Thank you so much for joining me today, Fern. It was so great to have you on the podcast today. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me, Pearly. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you also, everyone, for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead. For Food Navigator Asia, this is Pearly, signing off.